let's just uh, let's read that together, Psalm 8. So let's throw that up there, please, Josh. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now I continue to read Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let's, let's read that together. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. 
been singing about all morning, about the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus. Jesus is. Listen to the words as they sing.
Let's pray together, maybe. Father, we're so thankful this morning that as we've sung about you, that we've sung about this great and glorious King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who left his royal throne in heaven where you had everything and you actually came to be nothing only to become our Savior and Lord by dying on the cross for us. Lord, we're just so thankful that you are who you are because, Lord, we know who we are. And Father, we are fallen sinners in need of a wonderful Savior and you are that Savior. And we just come to glorify your name and to lift your name today and to thank you for being the great, great Savior and the great I Am. Thank you for this time that we have together, Lord. I pray for the rest of this service, Lord, that as your word is preached, as we come before your throne and listen to what you have to say, God, that we would know when we leave here more and more who Jesus really is. And we thank you for that. Be with us now. These things we pray in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you today. This is uh, one of our fifth Sundays that we have um, determined we would have some fellowship after church. And the Lord has provided wonderful weather, right? We, sometimes we don't get the wonderful weather on those kind of days. But we thank the Lord for the beautiful weather He's given uh, to us today. We want to invite all of you uh, to stay and be a part of that. And um, be a good time of fellowship uh, with one another. I wanted to also acknowledge this morning that I really appreciate Linda Bartlett. Um, just appreciate your um, sensitivity to the Lord and your... Um, Lord, he's given you a great talent, right, at the piano. Um, my mom uh, gave me piano lessons when I was young, and I can play a Silent Night, and only part of it. Um, we appreciate uh, the ministry of Linda uh, very much. I um, also wanted to make mention of the fact that out in the foyer today, um, there are um, booths that are set up uh, for, your, um, for you to go by and, and look at and visit. Uh, these booths are ministries, opportunities that uh, you have, maybe to be involved, to be engaged. Uh, all the ministries, I think a pretty good number are represented out there in the foyer, so you want to make sure that you i take some opportunity this afternoon and, and take a look at that and uh, see uh, maybe where you uh, haven't been plugged in and you'd like to be plugged in. Uh, I'd encourage you uh, to do that this morning. Um, also, um, just want to make mention, we're just praise the Lord uh, so much for uh, David Nichols' recovery. And we are thrilled that he is with us this morning. Just um, the Lord's good. And we just thank, thank the Lord so much for, for David's recovery and him being back among us. Did you guys know that um, there's a state that's mentioned in the Bible? It says in Genesis chapter 8 that Noah looked out of the ark and saw. I mean, it's, you know. Huh? That's pretty good. All God's people said amen, right? <laughs> I've been waiting all week to tell you that one. <laughs> all right. Well, this morning um, we're going to begin a series. Um, and actually probably won't get to Second Peter this morning. And I'll explain why in just a minute. But um, it's going to be uh, entitled Daring a donkey, and dog vomit. And um, it's very catching, but it's actually um, in the chapter. And so this is not something I thought of. This is right out of the verses there in Second Peter chapter 2. Um, but as I've been studying and reading and listening um, to other men uh, as they have taught through Second Peter, um, one of the temptations is to kind of skip over this section. Um, because Peter is so brass 
He, he really rips apart these false teachers. And in fact, many kind of gloss over that section, but, but I think it's more than worthy of being um, discussed. And so as I was thinking through that, um, I began to put together the sermon, and before long I had two sermons. And one reason is because I wanted to answer the question this morning is why plow through? Why plow through sections like that? I mean, I could stand up here, read the verses, um, and then just say, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. <laughs> Let's move on to chapter 3. But I came up with four reasons that are certainly biblical, and part of them reflect the heart of Peter. And that's where we want to spend most of our time this morning, and looking at the heart of Peter and what was in front of him. Why was he so brass? Um, and why was he so confrontational? Right? He wouldn't have been a popular preacher today. He wouldn't have made it. <laughs> they might have kicked him out of most churches because he just told the truth. And, and I'm finding that we live in a culture today where that's not real popular to tell the truth. And so um, I wanted to spend most of our time this morning on points three and four that I'll make as to why should we plow through God's Word. Those sections of Scripture where we kind of look at it and go, Okay, you know, you get to a genealogy and you're like, oh my goodness, not only can I not pronounce all those names, but why are they there? You know, why are sections there like at the end of Colossians, where Paul gives credit to those people around him who are involved in ministry, who, who the Lord was using, right? And, and so uh, there are four reason I've, reasons I've come up with. Um, do you know the, what the word plow means? means to turn up the earth. That's what it means in verb form, to turn up the earth. In order to prepare for a crop, usually is what our image might be. Well, I thought, well, why plow through sections of Scripture like this? Because we need to turn up the pages of Scripture and find those nuggets that God wants to give to us in order that we might be more spiritually discerning, specifically as it relates to Second Peter. Because there's a call to discernment in chapter 2. That we don't just accept everything that's being said by someone, but we examine the Scriptures thoroughly for ourselves. And what does that assume? That assumes that, that every single believer, and this is very important, every single believer in Christ is a student of the Word of God. Every believer, you don't wait till Sunday morning at 11 o'clock before you open your Bible, right? I mean, that's kind of, that whole process as a believer is that if I'm going to benefit spiritually in my life and grow in, in, in depth in my relationship with Christ, then I have to be in the Word of God. And so if we're going to plow through sections like this, it's only for our benefit, and it's only for our benefit, first of all, because the Word of God is inspired and profitable. I'm going to be defining some of these terms as I go through these reasons. The Word of God is inspired and it's profitable. That word inspired means God breathed. And we've talked about that several weeks ago. And, and then you have the word profitable. That word profitable in the original language means useful. That's what it means. It means useful. So what do you do with something that's useful? Class. You use it. Right? I mean, I have golf clubs, and I use them, right? I have a lawnmower. I use it. I used it yesterday, right? I have these little cool trimmers, that, this trimmer that cuts my, my, my bushes and stuff. I really like that thing. It is so awesome. Because back in the day, uh, 1970s, we didn't have those kind of things. At least my dad didn't give me one if we had one. And I had to use those chopper babies, right? You know what I'm talking about? And that's a lot of work. All right? So we use things that are useful, right? We use them. And so as it relates to the Word of God, we use the Word of God. And in Timothy, Paul writes this, it's useful for instruction, for rebuking, for correction, and for training. All right? It's useful for instruction, rebuking, correction, and training. And notice at the end of that, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Right? So, so the Word of God is beneficial. It's useful to us. 
And I really like um, this quote by George Whitfield. It really sums up to me that first point um, of how the Word of God is useful. Look what he says. He says, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees. <laughs> so that's his position. Laying aside all other books. Now let me just stop there and say, there's nothing wrong with reading other books. But what's the main book? Main book's the Word, right? Laying aside all other books and praying over, if possible, I love this phrase, every line and word. So every line and word in that section in 2 Peter 2 is very important. All right, it's very important to our growth as believers. And notice what he says, this proved meat indeed and drink indeed to my soul. I daily receive fresh life, light, and power from above. And so basically he's saying we need to eat the word. We need to stay on our knees and be dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to plow through the Word of God, we need to understand that it is profitable to us. It's useful to us. It, it, it demands that we give it attention. Right? It reminded me of, of our children. You know, when, when you're raising those children, you can't neglect your children, and you, you need to pay attention to your children. Right? You need to spend time with your children. And it's really a challenge when you have more than just a couple, isn't it? And some of you have more than just a couple. So how in the world do you balance all that? Because every one of those children are valuable. In the same way, guys, every single chapter in this book that God has given us is valuable. So to say, well, we're just going to skip over a section. I remember teaching through the book of Hebrews and got to the first warning passage in 5.11 through 6.12 and I went to this one specific commentator as I was doing kind of my uh, proofing to make sure I wasn't kind of off on a trail by myself. And, um, and he just skipped the whole section. <laughs> I'm like, well, hold on a second. What do you mean, man? I mean, you can't just skip it. It may not be something that we look at and go, wow, that looks really great. I mean, who wants to talk about dog, dog vomit, right? But we're going to because Peter has a point there that he's trying to make to his audience. And so the Word of God is profitable to us. It's useful to us. Secondly, the reason we're going to pay attention to this section, this good reminder for us, is that the Lord Jesus gave warning. He gave us a warning. If you look in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 and 16, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits, Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? The Lord Jesus gave us warning about the audience that Peter's talking about. He, he's, he's given us warning about false prophets, false teachers, those who would claim to speak for the Lord, but who are really false. Um, there's familiar language given to us in Acts chapter 20. I want you to listen to these, this verse. You don't need to turn there. But in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul uses... Similar language, uh, speaking to the Ephesian elders. Um, he says in Acts 20, verse 29, I know that after my departure, he says, salvage wolves will come in among you. And remember the description, right, in, in 2 Peter 2, where, where are these false teachers, according to Peter? They're hanging out with us. Right? You think about it, that's kind of scary. They're hanging out with us. And so... The Apostle Paul, in talking to the Ephesian elders, uses familiar language in talking about these savage wolves, these false teachers coming in among, among the brethren, um, looking to do what? Looking to destroy. That's what false teachers do. They look to destroy by speaking that which is false. And so um, we've talked a little bit about those two as we've gone along through Second Peter. But these last two... I wanted to spend a little bit of time on this morning because I think it's very important as we come to this part of 2 Peter that we understand Peter's heart, right? What's going on in him? Um, so the third reason that we plod through or plow through this section of Scripture is because shepherds are responsible for the sheep. Now this one really resonates with me. Shepherds are responsible for the sheep. I am a shepherd and I am responsible for you. But did you know, I am not the only shepherd in this building. 
<laughs> I mean, if you're just looking at me, please stop. There are many shepherds in this building who have the responsibility to shepherd you as sheep. It's interesting that you're going to see as we go through this section in 2 Peter, I mean, there's this passion in Peter to communicate to these guys, listen, be careful, watch out. And in this, this section in 10b through 22, he's going to describe these guys with some pretty rough language. Um, but he had a responsibility and he was passionate about it. Uh, what are you passionate about? Right? If you're passionate about something, what does it do? It shows forth. Comes out. Right? I'm a passionate fan of the Auburn Tigers. Right? It comes forth. I'm not, but some are. Right? There, there, there's passion in the fall. You don't have to ask for people to be passionate about football. They're just passionate. They're outside the box, right? People are passionate, so we get that, and we look at it, and we go, man, these people are going crazy, and they, they paint themselves up, and they wear the colors, and they fly the flags. It's because they're passionate about their team. Do you know what? We need to get that in mind here as we're going through the section. Just as passionate as a football fan may feel about their team, Peter was more passionate. He was more passionate because he's a representative of Christ the Lord. You remember what, what, what the Lord Jesus told him in John 21? He said, Peter, you're going to shepherd and you're going to tend the sheep. That's going to be your responsibility. Um, and so we have this verse, and I want to talk about this verse for just a few minutes. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, he's writing here to the churches, to the shepherds who are scattered throughout Asia Minor, and notice what he says to them. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion. So I thought, well, there's some of these words that are pretty self-explanatory, but some of them, I mean, doing the word study is very, very profitable. So he says, shepherd the flock of God among you, and so that's the responsibility that the shepherds, the elders had. Exercising oversight. That word exercising is an interesting word. It's present tense. So it means this. They are to continually exercise oversight. Right? It describes one who is diligent to oversee. Uh, it reminded me of, okay, so whenever you ask someone to babysit your kids, right? you want them to diligently oversee those kids. You don't hire the babysitter and they come in the house and do what they want to. You're expecting them to do what? Diligently oversee those children, right? Um, we had boys and we had some babysitters. And I won't go into names. But as my boys got older, they had stories, right? These babysitters come in and they smile, oh, I'll take care of your kid. But you don't know that they're not putting mattresses going down the stairs and kids are sliding down the stairs. Yes, that happened at my house, right? And later on in life, I found out about it. Hey, Dad, you know what we used to do when so-and-so came to babysit us? <laughs> I bet it was fun sliding down those stairs on mattresses. So the idea is that the shepherd is diligently overseeing the sheep um, and continually doing that. And do you know what that means? That means there's no time off. None. No time off. Um, and you know, this is a good application for those of you who may be elders in the future. I mean, right? The church is going to go on and and we're, if the Lord doesn't come soon, um, those of us who are maturing, we'll just put it that way. I mean, one day, right? We're going we're gonna to pass into the presence of the Lord. It's a promotion, by the way. It's not a demotion. We're going to pass into the presence of the Lord, and the church will remain, and there will be elders here that haven't been elders, that God will set aside. And if you're, listen to me, if you aspire to the office of, the, of an elder, there is no time off. You're constantly overseeing the sheep. And you're constantly watching out for the danger. 
Um, I'd like for every one of the elders here at Grace to stand, please. Could you do that for me? Every one of the elders, even if you rolled off this last year, I want you to stand. And you know who you are. I want you to stay standing. Every one of these men in here are responsible for you as sheep. You know, there are some responsibilities in life that um, we look at and think, man, there's just no way. This is one of them, <laughs> right? When you become an elder, you're like, man, Lord, I, I, I can't, I can't. But you know what? The Spirit of God through you can. And he does. And I can tell you this, every one of these guys, we meet twice a month. And some of the most beautiful times that we have are praying in that room and studying the word in that room, and praying for the body of Christ. Every single one of these guys have a responsibility in your life. You need to know that. You need to see them. Right, guys, you can sit down. Every single one of them have that responsibility. And there's no time off. And being an elder is difficult at times. Because you are dealing with the oversight of sheep. And it's like I was handed... A note when I first started pastoring by someone, and the note said, and this was back when I was 36 years old, that was a few years ago, and it said, Sheep stink, and most of the time. I don't know how this person wanted me to take that, but I found out this to be true that the enemy is always after the sheep. Are you listening to me? Always. He's not taking time off. He wants your life. Young people, listen to me. He does not want you to be devoted to Christ. Those of us who are older know that. We've lived some of life. We know that. It's hard for us to stand at times. And so every single elder has the responsibility Regarding and protecting and caring for the sheep. And I trust that you here at Grace, you know, even if you're, you're new to us, we want you to know that. I mean, every single one of these guys in here love you, right? That are elders. They love you. And while the responsibility to care for and protect and feed and all that is an a, a, a enormous responsibility, Every single one of them are committed to it. They're committed to that. And you need to know that. And you need to know that you can go to them. You know, sometimes people are looking for someone just to pray with. It doesn't always have to be the pastor. It could be another elder. In fact, I'm not trying to discourage you from coming to see me. But what I am saying is this. There are church, there are church governments where the pastor is here. And he's elevated and he's like this. And he's looking down on you. That's ridiculous. That's not the model in the New Testament church. That's not what the Lord desires. Well, all right, let's keep going through the verse. So shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. Um, he says, not under compulsion. That word compulsion means this, feeling obligated. <laughs> right? Uh, the word means one who is forced into action. It's this idea, oh, I guess since my name came up for elder, I'll serve. No, 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 no. There's not a day that's gone by since I was ordained to the ministry in 1993 that I have that said, man, you know what? It's just not worth it. It's worth it. I don't care if it's a hard, it's going to be a hard road. It's going to be a hard road. And so for those of you who are, aspiring, as Paul uses the term, to be an overseer, know this. Listen, there is no quit. You don't quit, right? You never stop being a Christian, do you? Never stop. Once you're in Christ, you're sealed till the day of redemption. As an elder, we might have a rotating time where guys take off, but you're an elder, you're an elder. <laughs> you're a shepherd. God set you apart to do that. So he says, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, that word means willingly, according to the will of God. And then he says, 
not for sordid gain. Now, this is, has a couple of ideas here um, as shepherds. So, not for monetary gain. Now, remember, that's exactly how the false teachers were labeled. You remember, right? It was for monetary gain. You remember back in, in the first part of the chapter, uh, in chapter uh, 2, verse 3, it says, and Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed they will exploit you. Right? That's, that's the characteristic of a false teacher. Not a true elder, a true shepherd. True shepherd's not in it for money. Yeah, but there's also another idea here. A true shepherd's not in it for gain and popularity. Hmm. Now we're talking about pride, right? We're talking about arrogance. There's no room for that. Because a shepherd needs to be humbly dependent upon the Lord. Because there are going to be times when as shepherds, you're going to be dealing with something and you're going to go, hmm, what now, Lord? What now? What do we do? What's the next step? There is no room for one who's interested in personal gain or popularity. My friends, listen to me. Peter knew that. And when he wrote these verses, right, he wasn't looking for people to go, hey, what did you think about what I wrote, right? He wasn't taking a survey going, hey, what did you think about these words? You think people are offended by these words? Oh, my goodness, have you read 10b through 22? He just rakes them over the coals. He's not interested in popularity. If you're interested in popularity as a leader, get out. Stop. Stop doing what you're doing. There's no room for that. As a leader, Peter knew that. Notice what he says. Not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. I love that word eagerness. It describes one who has an urgent desire, one who is zealous. This is opposite of a lazy person. Um, so as I was reading through that definition and studying that, I'm like, oh my goodness, I think we live in a lazy culture. Any of you agree with that? We live in a lazy culture. We live in a culture of entitlement. Without effort, give, 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 give. Well, here, Peter describes for these shepherds, he says, they're eager, eagerness. They're zealous for, right? There's this urgent desire. So I was thinking about that. I was like, okay, there's this urgent desire to shepherd people, even as hard as that can be, right? And I thought, well, when I was in college and I saw this young lady sitting on the front, that fifth or sixth row, there was a desire to meet her. And do you know what I did? I met her. And you know where she is? Right there. I remember looking, thinking, I am dating that girl. And she said no to me the first time. You believe that? <laughs> it's because I already had a date. And I told her, I said, hey, Teresa, I broke the date. She said, well, no, you can't break the date. You already told the girl you'd take her out. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I need to date that girl. And I was talking about her. Because she had character. I, just, I was like this. I was determined. I'm going to meet her and I'm going to date her. And eventually I'm going to marry her. Peter describes a shepherd as one who is zealous for. What are we zealous for, shepherds? The truth. We're zealous for the truth. For what the Lord's already told us. Um, and then he says, With eagerness nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. Mm. Now that's a big deal there because you don't want someone who is lording over you, right? And that's exactly the description that Peter uses, the words he uses. He says, not lording it over those, right? Right? allotted to your charge. But what does he say? 
he says, but proving to be examples to the flock. All right? And so, not lording over, not standing over, but proving to be examples. That word example is an interesting term. The idea literally means to make one's mark. It means to make one's mark. So, a shepherd makes a mark in the life of people. That's the idea here. Shepherds make marks in the life of people. And so, since you weren't there to answer the question this week, I began to think through, or who's made their mark in my life? You think about that for a minute. The sheep ought to be able to identify at least one shepherd that's made a mark in their life. <laughs> right? That, that, to me, that sounds like a healthy church. I mean, you need to be able to identify at least one that's made a mark in your life. And for me, it was Phil Stamm. I mean, I, I wouldn't be, I don't really believe, I mean, I know the Lord puts things in motion and he gets all that going. And, and I know that, it's, that ultimately he's the one that, that got me to the ministry. And I get all that. But the one who made their mark in my life was Phil Stamm. He made his mark. And um, I was 26 years old when I went to New York to serve as an associate pastor. And one of his comments to one of the guys that he talked to was, ah, Thad's green, he's young, he doesn't know anything. You know what? He was accurate. I was green, I was young, I didn't know anything. But I was teachable. And the guy that made his mark was Phil. And you know what he told me? I'll never forget this. He said, I want you to come to my office now. And he said, let's talk a little bit. And he said, I want you to forget everything you learned at Southeastern. And I want you to follow me. Now, he didn't mean doctrinally. He just meant his life. And I did. And I praised the Lord because he made a mark in my life. Listen, that's what Peter was doing. He made marks in the lives of people. That's what the apostles did. They were examples and so, this verse tells us kind of that whole responsibility for the sheep. So as you come to, to the second chapter and you go through these verses as we'll do that together, we have to remember that Peter had this responsibility that he could not shake. You know, that responsibility, the word responsibility that is not even a popular term in our culture today. You tell somebody they're responsible for something, they're looking for a way to get out of that, right? Immediately, by the way. If you say, hey, you're responsible for this, oh. It is, it is. It is a frightening thing to be responsible for the lives of believers. And Peter knew the way to that. He knew what the Lord had told him to shepherd and tend the sheep. All right, so shepherds are responsible for the sheep. And then lastly, well, you know, the reason that we, we study this, that we plow through this, is not only because shepherds are responsible for the sheep, but the enemy is very much alive. He is very much alive. And, and these words here, some of these words help us to understand kind of that whole issue of him being very much alive. Um, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Now, here's the tendency in this verse. I want to tell you what the tendency is. The tendency is to ignore the first part and focus on the second part, <laughs> right? I mean, you hear people all the time saying, your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We quote that. Uh, there's a first part to that. And so we look at it and we go, well, we need to pay attention to that. Well, what is it? What is he saying? He says, be of sober spirit. So this word sober means completely abstinent, right? In other words, there's no influence here by some outside substance, all right? The idea is to be self-controlled. It means to be well-balanced. It describes one who keeps their minds clear. Um, if you're a drunkard, your mind is not clear, right? You're being influenced. And so the idea here for the believer is that we're to be self-controlled, well-balanced. How are we going to do that practically? How are we going to do that? Well-balanced, self-controlled. 
Because the last part of the verse says, the adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That means you. That means me. So how are we well balanced? How does that work out spiritually? What's that look like? Any ideas? How are we going to be well balanced as a believer? Stay in the Word. Thank you. Stay in the Word. So just because the question just came to mind, how much were you in the Word this week? We're going to be well balanced if we're going to be self-controlled, if we're going to be alert to the dangers around us, we have to be in the Word. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts 17. Look at verse 10, 17.10 of Acts. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11, now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. For they received the word of God with great, what? Eagerness. There was a zealousness on their part to receive the word of God. Can I just pause there for a minute? Is that true in our lives? Are we zealous and eager to receive the word? That's something I think that is worth asking. These guys were kind of unusual. The way our current culture would look at it. For they received the word with great eagerness. By the way, that means all of it. It's all the word. It's not just the parts that I like. It's the example of the, of the restaurant with the buffet. And you can get everything that you want. But you might not get everything that you need. You ever been to one of those buffets... And, and, and on those buffets, I'm going to make you hungry. On those buffets, right, you have, you have the, the chicken, and you have the Salisbury steak, and you have the rolls, right? Who doesn't like rolls? You have the rolls, and you have all the dessert, and then you look over there, and there's another table. And on that table, there are vegetables. And then there's another table, and on that table, there are, dessert, uh, there are uh, not desserts, I love those, there are fruits, and you're like, <laughs> but we're really excited about the Salisbury steak and the fried chicken, and we're really excited about the rolls, and we're really excited about the desserts, but the fruits and the vegetables, well, when it comes to the word, guys, we can't be picking and choosing We've got to take all of it. We've got to take all of it. Notice what it says about them. They received the word with great eagerness. Man, they were excited about getting the word. Notice what it says, examining. Examining. Putting under a microscope the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. My friends, listen to me. There's a call in our lives that we have to examine thoroughly the word of God. Everybody has that call. It's not just for one guy or a few people that are teaching classes on a Sunday. Every single believer, do you get this? Every single one is examining thoroughly, putting under a microscope the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God changes lives. Young people, do you know, I kind of remember where I, what it was like to be young. I know that's hard for you to believe, but... I remember there were many Sundays where Brother Lane would be preaching his heart out, man. 
And I'd be back there like this. And then the next week, you know what? He showed up again. And he preached again. And I'd be back there like this. Could it be true that at times when someone asks you to open the word that our attitude is like this? Is it possible? I think it is. I especially think it is, no matter the age, if we're not walking with the Lord. Because who wants to hear somebody expound the truth? <laughs> right? Men love darkness rather than light. We remember that with the influence of these false teachers. You remember in Second Peter, were there just a few that we're following? Mm -mm, that's not what the book says. It says many will follow their sensuality. Hey, look, if I was preaching to you a gospel of health, wealth, and prosperity every week, you'd be like, oh, how can I get wealthy and how can I get healthy? And I just found over my Christian life, and I've been a believer a long time, that if you're really going to plumb the depths of Scripture, it requires a person who's willing to listen to the hard things. Just being honest. So you come to 10b through 22, it's pretty rough stuff. You're like, hey, Peter, could you not have used a little bit lighter on the language there, buddy? But he was so passionate about truth. And he wasn't considering himself. He was considering the sheep. Be sober. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Right? That's the next word he uses. So before you even read that last part, you've got to deal with the first part. The word alert means to be aware. It means to stay awake. Brothers and sisters, stay awake. Be alert. I've always liked driving at night when I go somewhere, right? I, 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 I don't know. I just, like, I went and saw my dad this last week. I spent about 36 hours with him. I went Monday. It was a great visit. Went Monday. Got there about 7 o'clock. Tuesday, we hung out together. It was a great time. Tuesday night, it was like about 8.30. And I thought, hmm, I could be home by 3.30. And I could be at work by 10 or 11 o'clock. And I could get some things done. And so do you know what I did? I said, Dad, I'm going home. You know what he said? I knew you were going to. But when you were driving at night, you know, when I was 20-something, we took a trip from Colorado, or from Louisiana to Colorado, and I was about 16 or 17, because I remember my dad told us we are going to drive straight back from Colorado Colorado Springs to Lake Charles, Louisiana, which, if you know your map, that's a good little distance. And we just drove and 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 drove. And when you're in that, right, when you're in that mind where you're driving and driving and driving, has this ever happened to you where you've gone from mile marker 8 to mile marker 22 and thought, when you got to mile marker 22, thought, I'm not sure what I just saw between mile marker 8 and mile marker 22. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. The other night, there is not much on I-22 from about Tupelo to Birmingham. And I mean not much at all. I'm sure there are people that are alive, but I don't know where they are. And you best be alert. And it's hard to be alert when you're on a dark road and it's just you. Hey guys, you know what? It's hard to be alert as a believer all the time. And you know, sometimes we have to be careful with this to say, oh, I'm doing okay. I don't, I'm fine. No, 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 no. We need to always be alert. We always need to be 
aware. We need to have our antennas up, so to speak. Notice what it says. Why? Because your adversary, right? The devil, take that little letter D out of devil, and what do you have? Evil. The devil prowls like a roaring lion. Notice that next word, seeking someone to devour. Now, I have quoted that verse a million times. Somebody needs to answer the phone. Quoting, I've quoted that verse and a lot of times, just that last part. But that word seeking tells us about the enemy. That word seeking is in the present tense. And it means this. Your adversary, the devil, is constantly looking for an opportunity to destroy you. You get that? Constantly. He's not taking a moment off. He's constantly looking to destroy lives. Now, when you put that in the context of what Peter's writing in 2 Peter, and you get to chapter 2, and you got all this junk coming out about false teachers, you're like, oh, I get it. Because the enemy, your adversary, the devil, is prowling like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He wants to devour you, to destroy you. Young people, listen to me, that's true. He wants to do that. And I want you to know this, young people. It only takes one decision. And you can be destroyed. I used to say to young people, you will make the biggest decisions of your life between the time you're about 17 and 22. And you can make a decision that will destroy, in one sense, the rest of your life. You better be careful. And while I got your attention, young people, I'm going to tell you one thing. You better be equally yoked. I could probably line up several testimonies for you young people on that issue. Because if you're not, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be destroyed. Because you're going to go into a marriage like this. You're not going to be on the same page. Please listen to me, young people. And older people. Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So we better be sober, and we better be awake. We better not be falling asleep at the wheel. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word and we come to a section like this, and as I was just studying through it, and I was like, wow, this is just uh, really not the most encouraging section of Scripture. But it's Scripture. It's your Word. You want us to pay attention, and there's always something there for us. I was talking to someone not long ago who some, somehow got on the subject of John 3.16 and how many times have we heard that verse in our lives? Lord, your word, we know it doesn't return void. It's valuable and it's valuable to us all the time. And I pray that we would have the mind of Whitfield, that we would just be on our knees and regularly in just digesting your word. Help it to be food for our souls that we might live for you. And Lord, I do want to pray for our young people. I want to thank you for them first. I just thank you for them. I thank you for the opportunity to know them. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them. By your spirit, you would help them to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they know you, if you were their Savior, they would make that a priority. Lord, I just thank you for the ones who teach our youth. I thank you for their devotion and their dedication. and I thank you for the, the mark that they're making in the lives of these students. Um, Lord, I thank you for Peter. Thank you for this wonderful apostle who, boy, oh boy, he had times in his life where he stuck his foot in his mouth and where he fell off in the ditch, so to speak. But Lord, you were always there for him. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for the fervency that he had to go out and proclaim the truth. And I thank you for the dedication that he had and the willingness to speak hard truth. Because in the end, he knew it was for 
the benefit of the sheep and ultimately for your glory. So Lord, help us to be students. Help us to be aware of everything around us that, that we're, that's being thrown at us by a liberal agenda in the United States. That we would be aware that that agenda is going to keep on. And that we would be alert. And that there are people out there who are not holding up the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many people. And I pray that we would be great stewards of your word because you've entrusted it to us. Help us, we pray, in the name of Christ. Amen. I'd like to close out this morning. I'd like to close out this morning by singing about um, the wonderful, the, the depth of the love that Christ has shown to us. We can talk about his greatness, but many times we don't talk about the depth of his love, which is astounding. So let's, uh, let's just sing this together, maybe. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father's turned his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed to hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. His wounds have paid my ransom. His wounds have paid my